Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 211. In this week's show, I'm really thrilled to have the Dreamcatcher Coach, Annabelle Bender, joining me to talk all about believing in your dreams and allowing yourself to live a happy and authentic life. I'm really excited because Annabelle is also a happiness coach. And of course, there's more joy and excitement available in this episode than than should be legal. So I hope you'll tune in. If you're new here, I want to give you a very warm welcome and say hello, hello. Jumpstart Your Joy is a podcast, of course, that's released every Tuesday. It is now in its fifth year. And you can find out more about the show and, you know, listen to that whole back catalog at jumpstartyourjoy.com. If you're new and you want to find other ways to listen to the podcast, you can subscribe to any podcast for free, and you can find this one at Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts, along with a bunch of other places, but those are a couple of good ones to search for Jumpstart Your Joy and hit subscribe. I would also love to hear from you guys. I know you are listening from all over the globe, and it is so exciting and fun to get to see where you are from. And... I'd also love to hear if this is resonating with you. So you can email me at jumpstartyourjoy at gmail.com and I reply to every one of them. And then the other exciting thing is I'm going to be engaging with people more on Facebook because again, I would love to hear from you guys and see what you think about these episodes. You can look for Jumpstart Lounge on Facebook and I'll be sharing questions and other fun things there with you guys and interacting. So find us in all of those places. Let's just get moving on the show here. One of my favorite parts about this discussion with Annabelle Bender is how we jump right into what it means to be happy and what is entailed in being a happiness coach. Because my goodness, that's such a cool title. What's been really interesting to me, of course, as I've played around with the topic of joy for five years now, is how so many people at first glance, they think it's a naive or very simplistic thing that one might talk about. But as Annabelle and I both share, it's one of those things like where you have to dig into the layers and lots of times people find that they are it's harder for them to be happy in life because they have all of these limiting beliefs. So Annabelle and I talk a lot about that, along with how do you altruistically support other people, how you can take baby steps to support your dreams. And we also talk a little bit about her work in human design, which is kind of like the Akashic Records, but another very interesting way to look at what your strengths are and find out more about yourself from a spiritual level. So I'm so excited. Let's just jump right in. Here's Annabelle. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Annabelle. Thank you so much, Paula. Well, would you like to tell us a little bit about what you enjoyed most in school or as a child? What were your earliest sparks of joy? I think one of my earliest sparks of joy have been that I always love to observe everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. Like I would spend hours observing cocoons turning into a butterfly <laughs> as a child mm-hmm. and um, also supporting and helping others, whether that be my, I have a really funny story. I had a disabled a disabled neighbor. He was maybe around 50 and I was around four years old and it was super cold outside and he was freezing and I stole long underpants for my dad to give him 
<laughs> those long underpants so that he wouldn't freeze. <laughs> oh, this is sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, what a dear heart you have. <laughs> that 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 was always something that made me really happy to help and yeah. support others. I love the visual of the four-year-old. I'm sensing that it was very intuitive that you were feeling for this other person and worried yeah. about them more so than you were worried about yourself. That's really sweet. Yeah, it was just when I turned older that I realized that I actually, I stole something, but I didn't have any notion back then in the moment itself. Right. Oh, that's so dear. And it, it's, that brings me back very strangely I, I to uh, probably the same age where... Um, in the U.S., cause, uh, I know Annabelle's in Switzerland for people who are, are not in the know there. Um, <laughs> but in the U.S., when I was about four, this will also date me, three, Gerald Ford was our president and he was leaving office. He'd only been in for a short time after Nixon. Um, and I, for some reason, my dad, well, my dad had just lost his job. And um, I took it very seriously and personally almost that like the president was being he was leaving the office and he wouldn't have a job and so I wrote him this long letter about how he could come live with us oh, no. <laughs> like it's that I feel like it's that same sweet innocence but also like this I don't know really dear sense of I want to help other people that mm -hmm. I, I feel like maybe we're kindred spirits here <laughs> you and I that's so sweet. Well, would you like to tell us what you do now as the Dreamcatcher Coach? So as the Dreamcatcher Coach, my mission is to empower and support others, smart and passionate people to give themselves permission to believe in their dreams and to catch them in order to live a happy and authentic life. I like how you've woven in the catching part of because I, I know we, uh, I got to see you for a moment. And you, you literally have a dream catcher behind you on the wall. I do. Yes. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that idea that we all kind of have these dreams and these ideas that I feel like are always floating around in my own head. And mm -hmm. then how, you know, for me, I, I caught on to the podcasting one, obviously, but like, mm -hmm. I don't know, how do you, how do you see that? Because also I know you're a multi-passionate. So as we yeah. look at that lens, I think, so many of us, and of course, if an audience member isn't sure what that word means, it means you're one of those people that has all the ideas and you, you it's really hard to decide on the, the just one thing that you want to be when you grow up. So true. how do you, Annabelle, how do you see sifting through all those many ideas that so many of us have? I think just embracing that I have all these multi-passions and giving myself permission and not being wanting to be perfect in all of them. I think that's that's something that a lot of us multi-passionate people have, that we know that we have so many things that we're interested in and there are so many things that we love to do, mm -hmm. but we want to be perfect in it and we want to master it as best as we can. And then we procrastinate and then we don't, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. Then it's like, Oh, okay. I'm I'm not good at that, so I might just not do it at all. Yeah. Mm, yes. And, and then we don't, and we need, and then we don't give ourselves permission anymore. And that's that's so sad because there's just so many beautiful things and so many beautiful gifted people out there that should really catch their dreams. Yeah. Small or big, and big and small. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Well, and I know working with some clients, it's in my own experience, it's that we get into what I've started to call end thinking, where the the little the initial idea, which is that little dream that maybe you're talking about, mm-hmm. starts sweet and beautiful and like we oh yeah, I think I should try it. But then somehow in our head, maybe this is what you mean by that perfectionism and procrastination pattern is then somehow this thing goes from being a tiny thing I could do right now to I have to sell it on Etsy or I have to make 20 million of them. And somehow that idea, you're like, oh, no, can't do it. And we push it away. How have clients dealt with that? And uh, how do we work through that space? Start with one step. To me, it's helpful to see with other clients that they have this big picture that they want to reach or that big picture that they want to draw. But it all starts with one little step. And then taking one step after the other and not be too much focused on the big goal. It's mm-hmm. necessary to me, I think, to, to have that big goal. Like when I work with clients on, let's say they want to, I had one client, she wanted to do a video. That was her big creative dream. Yeah. And alone the fact that she knew that there are so many steps that she needs to take in order to get the video done, she procrastinated and she just stopped it. So we had to break down everything into little steps that she could do now that she feels that are manageable. I don't know, writing the script in the first week and then in the second week, put together all the pictures that she needed for for the video. and. Um, like that, it's much more easier and much more manageable to catch that bigger dream and to get the bigger picture out of it. I think that's really wise. And and maybe it is that some, I mean, I'm kind of toying with this idea. I don't know if maybe multi-passionates, it's also hard because there's so many ideas that flit in and out. It's hard to catch our attention around one thing and then decide to bring it to fruition. It, there's something really interesting in there too about making the big plan, like, I know I want a video, or I know I want some sort of YouTube presence, or whatever Mm -hmm. that thing is, but then realizing I've got to start small and here and now. Mm Because I think we often get really worried about having to know what the whole end game is, or the end plan is before we feel like we can take a first step. And right. Yeah. That's dangerous because you can never, right now, I could never be like in this moment. No, I don't know how to be a YouTube star. Like I'm just, but it would be baby steps. I'd have to make the first video to try it out. It seems like there's a lot of work that you do around creativity and harnessing those baby steps. Where do you see that kind of crossroads of like somebody has a really great initial idea and then how do they just let the creativity side of it flow? I can speak for myself. It's just wanting to have it perfect Mm. and wanting to have everything now against these creativity blockages. Mm. I think what's most important is to give ourselves permission that it's okay to not be perfect. I think there's perfection in imperfection, if that makes sense. Yeah. They're kind of dancing around that same thing a couple of times here where it's like (laughs) both the creativity and more of that analytical or like administrative planning side, like they, they're interwoven. And maybe that's the piece that's like, is there something yeah. in there? I feel like I'm onto something, but I don't know quite what it is. <laughs> it's what I experience all the time. 
if I have a conversation, like lately, I had a conversation with a guy who is a DJ and he's so into music. And we were talking about how, how there are so many talented people out there, but they just won't give themselves permission to share their talents with other people because they're so critical towards themselves mm, yeah. that they just rather keep it to themselves instead of sharing it with others and not realizing that they could, they could help other people giving themselves permission to just try this thing out that they wanted to do because someone else did it as well. Yeah. And doesn't that stop us in our tracks so often that we think yeah. like, oh, well, somebody's already written that blog or <laughs> like, or right. somebody's already done that podcast. And it's almost like it's so easy to just write it off as already done. Um, mm -hmm. When, you know, that's, that would be the killer of all dreams. <laughs> right. <laughs> If we all decided like no one would ever start anything. Right. But yeah. Yeah. That's And everyone's special. Like everyone is unique. Everyone has its own fingerprint and people just I think need to more realize that they have a very unique fingerprint that no one else has even though maybe someone already has a podcast about I don't know that kind of topic and you want to start a podcast with the same topic but they will never be the same because they're just two different people so true Yeah. And that shouldn't stop anyone from starting. Right. <laughs> you won't know until you start. Exactly. You also mention on your site that you are a happiness coach. And yes. would you explain how that works? It's probably a little silly of me being somebody that works with joy all the time, but I didn't know <laughs> happiness coach was a thing. So I totally want to hear all about it. How does that work in with what you do? Actually, I didn't know about it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, until a couple of years ago and I was doing my holistic health studies and I met someone who was a holistic nutritionist mm -hmm. and she said well I'm a nutritionist and I'm a happiness coach and I'm like wait what <laughs> what is that <laughs> I want that title <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what exactly what I was thinking like what the heck is happiness coach. And so I did my research and then I contacted her because I couldn't find anything. Yeah. And I asked her like, where do you get this happiness coach thing? Right. <laughs> and then she told me that there's an online course da, 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 where you can do happiness coaching. So I went on this happiness coaching course and I thought, you know, that Happiness coaching would mean like, okay, I'm going to tell everyone to be happy and I'm going to teach how they can all be happy. But actually, the, the whole happiness coaching thing was all about limiting beliefs mm -hmm. and how much we actually are hiding our happiness under so many layers of limiting beliefs of Um, that we grew up with and it's so important to really know your core and what makes you personally happy what happiness actually means to you personally because it means something else for everyone yes <laughs> so true it's so true oh my goodness right like happiness might mean for someone to be on the beach the whole day when others just hate being at the beach the whole day and Because we we live today in in a society that is so loud and it's there there's so much noise around us, 
we we get like drawn into that noise and we don't really know anymore what makes us happy. Right. We think that because we see this on Instagram and we read about this in the newspaper that this is something that's going to make us happy when actually maybe something completely else is driving our happiness. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love that you've brought this up. It's interesting because in the summer, I, I've been working with a set of camp counselors. Uh, mm -hmm. This camp asked me to come in and make a mindfulness program for them, which was kind of mind blowing. And I'm still pinching myself wow. that I got to do it. And the really interesting thing that's come up is this shift in how, well, I mean, it's, it has nothing specifically to do with camp counselors, but that kind of the age group between about 18 and 27, 28, that there's this profound shift that psychologists and colleges and all sorts of people have noticed that this group of people that are rising in that age group are having a really hard time with anxiety and yes. with depression and some really serious mental health concerns. Mm -hmm. And so our approach at camp was how do we introduce some mindfulness to try and unlock some of these pieces. But what you just said, <laughs> long lead into what you just said, which was like looking at social media gives us this idea of of what makes us happy or what makes mm -hmm. somebody happy, or maybe it doesn't even make them happy, but there's an image in right. Instagram or right. whatever, and they look good. <laughs> it looks like a great life. And then right. how do we pull back? Because then there's constant messaging. Every picture is probably somewhat fabricated and looks like this lifestyle I would love to have. But then how do we pull mm -hmm. back and say, but that that's may not even be real. Check it, you know, put that in check at least. And mm -hmm. how do I know what makes me happy? Right. There's a parallel there of a, of a generation that's grown up with that, of all this outside messaging, in addition to family and ancestral shoulds and teachers telling them what to, like, that's another layer of messaging maybe that we mm -hmm. never had, at least mm -hmm. when I was, you know, growing up before the internet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? What have you seen and how have you seen that play out possibly? Uh, concerning the youth of today? Well, yeah, or just that layer of social media and maybe how it, it's great and it can kind of pull away from our happiness. It's, it's great in so many ways because we can like communicate with other people around the globe like us now today. And um, I think the main, the main thing about social media is really to be, to be social and to connect with each other. But it has become so loud and so present at the tip of our fingers. We have the whole world at our fingertips. And I think it's so much pressure for so many people because they don't know anything else because they grew up with it. So they have nothing to compare to. Mm -hmm. They don't have this, like I grew up on a, on a farm and I did not have any internet and I had like, I don't know. I had like cows and <laughs> and apple <laughs> trees that I could play with. Right. And and those those people like I'm always so shocked in a way when I see little children that can play around on the iPhones of their parents at already the age of 2 right. when I don't know what to say about that, but <laughs> it's just... <laughs> that's, that's a whole different <laughs> podcast, right? Like, I, the right. good and the bad of that. Yeah. I just feel that there are so many people that are feeling lost in some mm -hmm. way, and they try to fill that void with 
following certain people on social media and trying to copy that certain lifestyle or copy that certain look. Like when I see it, 14-year-old girls today, they look like supermodels because they have all that makeup and they have the perfect hair. And and if I look at pictures of me at 14, I'm like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's yeah. Just, yeah. There, there's less and less exploring who you are and what makes you happy and where you want to go. Yeah. I think there's something there too, because like you're saying, it's so present and always there. And mm -hmm then it kind of amplifies this thing of exactly it could be that it amplifies the great and, and the good about your own internal landscape and what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but it also could just be an amplifier until you kind of, like you've said about being in touch with what really makes you happy until you know that then exactly. social media also acts as that amplifier of the things that lines up the shoulds even quicker for mm -hmm. you. And mm -hmm. if you don't yet have that filter developed, yeah, I could see it lead to that feeling of I'll never be enough, even mm -hmm. more so than when I was 14 and had goofy braces and you know, <laughs> like a kind of a bad haircut. And yeah, like I was really trying and I liked it okay, but I see now that it was the exploration, like you said. And exactly. Yeah, this feels like sometimes social media doesn't leave room yeah. for exploration to be okay because it looks like people have got it figured out. Exactly. And that's, I think that's also the thing that is blocking us from being creative because mm -hmm. I think creativity is all about exploration. If you don't give yourself room for this exploration, I don't think that this is going to make you happy in the long run. It's just going to make you happy right now, but maybe tomorrow you're going to need it in another way. And it, it didn't really make you happy in first place, but It looks good on pictures or whatever. Right. Yeah. There's something really interesting there about kind of chasing a fleeting happiness too. And that's one of the things, mm -hmm. and maybe this is a really interesting thing for, for us to kind of pick apart a little bit. Some people dismiss the whole joy thing about, you know, oh, mm -hmm. that's simple. It's easy. There's not much to it. And, and the thing that I've discovered is that, no, really, like, if you want to stick with joy and you really want to give it a go, it's really one of the harder things because, right. yeah, it seems easy in the moments where, you know, your mind is at ease and like, yeah, then you can get into joy pretty quick. But mm -hmm. the, the challenge is when you're in it in some other way, like think something hard comes up or something really difficult shows up in your life or you're mm -hmm. challenged in some way to get back mm -hmm. to it. And, and I think so many people are chasing this really fleeting idea of what happiness or joy is. And it's ultimately unsatisfying because <laughs> it's not realistic. So <laughs> yeah. So I don't so know. How do, we, how do we drop into the level of happiness or joy that is true to us and not just that fleeting thing? I think what is important is to also know what makes us unhappy mm. and to know our triggers. Yeah. Because if we don't if we don't know ourselves, we're just never going to be truly happy and we will never have the solid ground that we can come back onto. Yeah. Because bad things are always going to happen and we are always like we're human. We have bad days. But We, we cannot let this stop us from, from being happy and from pursuing happiness and from having happiness as a goal because there's just too much 
unhappy people and and too much things that are happening around us that we cannot control but we can always choose to be happy so um in knowing our triggers and in knowing what makes us unhappy i think this is already a big big step in yeah. being happier in general Yeah, and and I'm thinking, you know, of people that are chasing something that they feel in the moment when they when they have it, whatever that might be, like the new pair of pants or the new haircut. If that's the if you're in the chase or in the hunt for it, and you have mm -hmm. happiness that's brief right there or joy that you just got a mani pedi or whatever. like, but like okay, so that moment is happy, but then if you're left feeling empty or you're like you've got to get to the next thing, that's is that really an invitation? to look deeper because that thing is probably just the chase, right? Like you're just exactly. chasing something. It's not like exactly. that thing actually brought you happy. You're just looking for the next hit. <laughs> right. And that's, that's what they call the hedonistic happiness. Right. Yeah. Is that you, you're just looking for what makes you happy right now. But yeah, after that one, you're just going to feel even worse maybe because now you're looking for something bigger because as human beings we we are striving for evolution and we want to have like we always want to move further and if we are looking for something that is just making us happy right now but we don't know that it makes us i don't know how to explain it it's like that fleeting happiness where it almost feels tangible and it almost feels like you could sink into it but then it's gone and is that kind of the mm -hmm. moment you're talking about like this hedonistic part Yes, exactly. And then we get used to it. Like th then comes the moment when when we get used to something and then we need something else. For example, people who win the lottery. I did not know and I learned that in my happiness coaching course that people who learn who who win the lottery are actually those who where the suicidal rate is the highest because all, out of nowhere they have everything and they can buy everything, but Once they have it all and they don't know in their core what makes them happy, they feel so depressed. And after a very short amount of time, like all their money is gone because they thought, okay, with all that money, I can buy a new house. I can buy me the coolest clothes and newest car. But if they don't know in their core what really, truly makes them happy, maybe the only thing that makes them happy is having, I don't know, a loving partner and they're single. And then they are trying to compensate all of this with material things. Yeah, that's, that is really unfortunate. And it's also me a little bit of people who think, oh, I'll be happy when. And, and it's always this yes. thing where they push the happiness out and they think, oh, well, I'll be happy when I have that other job or I'll be happy when I get the new car. Or, and this thing that people do where they're putting their happiness out there or their joy out there literally just beyond reach usually. But then when they get mm -hmm. the thing that they thought they wanted, they're no more happy except for the moment in which they received it. And that goes back to the underlying thing. You could be happy now. Like you could choose it True. right this you second, be happy. <laughs> figure it out <laughs> and get there. And then happiness is possible right now. Right. How do people make that turn in the mindset? It's easy for you and I to say that because we've, we've done the work. <laughs> how do you get there if somebody's like, yeah, I need that, but I don't know how? I think the most important thing is get to know yourself and don't be scared of, you know, wanting to be happy right away and don't beat yourself up if you're not going to be happy 
right away all the time because it's first of all it's not even possible you cannot be happy 24 7 every day day in and day out at the same level and to start to really want it because if you really don't want it then it's just also not going to happen there are a lot of things that some people think they want it mm -hmm. but they're not ready to do the work yeah so they're kind of half-hearted doing it and then they're depressed because it's just not happening when in fact they're pursuing something that other people have told them to pursue when it's something that they didn't want in first place. So I think that self-knowledge is something that is so, so, so important in order to really pursue happiness. And it goes back to exploration, like you were saying, mm -hmm. that you have to be willing to try on different things. Because I think mm -hmm. there's something about society or we think that, well, if this doesn't work, then why would I try something else? Meaning like, oh, right. if meditation doesn't work for me, I, you know, I tried everything. <laughs> like, right. You got to keep trying and like look for the thing that brings you joy or makes you happy. And then if that wasn't quite it, well, I bet you learned something from it and you got to experience something new and try the next thing, you know, like the right. going thing. Yeah, exactly. Because we always learn something out of every situation and out of every person that we need. I also saw that you work on human design. Okay. So this yes. is something that like, I, I have to admit, I went and checked this out and plugged in my info on a free site last night. I have never mm -hmm. heard of human design before. I don't know. Would you explain what it is and how it can help people decipher what their life means or where their talents are? Mm -hmm. So human design is a method that combines old wisdoms out of the astrology, Kabbalah, and I Ching. Together with new discoveries out of quantum physics and genetics. So it's just not some woo woo witchy stuff. <laughs> There's also science behind it. And of all of these knowledges, if you put them together, they give you a chart. And this chart kind of looks pretty complicated to some people because just, you see just color triangles and white uh, squares and you're yeah. just thinking what the heck is that how, how, how is this supposed to describe me I don't understand I am reading those charts what they mean mm -hmm. there's this thing called authority in human design which it has been super helpful to me because what society tells us is that when it comes to making decisions we need to use our mind when actually it couldn't be any further away from the truth to using yeah. our minds to making right to making yeah. the, the, the right decisions because how many times have you been in a situation where you knew okay I need to make a decision about whatever I don't know what outfit am I going to wear to this special event and everyone tells you wear that dress but in your gut, you're just like, no, I'm not feeling this dress. Your mind maybe tells you, yes, wear that dress because everyone tells you to wear that dress, but you're just not feeling good. Mm -hmm. The authority really reminds you what part you need to listen to in order to make the right decisions that make you happy. Like, for example, there is the emotional authority, which I have, and in that one, it really tells you to hone in to how you're feeling 
because our mind is here to process and not to make the decisions. Right. And our mind is just the biggest database that we have, but we should not give it permission to make the decision. <laughs> right. Because it's just going to make us feel unhappy in the end. Right. And just because the pattern that you see and that your mind is kicking out of mm -hmm. this is the advice given. So we're going to compute and say that's what we should do doesn't mean that that's the only answer. And I really love the human design and so many other personality tests that we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really love Myers-Briggs. Oh, me too. I feel like the things that it does, and, and maybe you can say if you feel like human design helps you with the same kind of thing or other people with the same kind of thing. I feel mm -hmm. like it kicks open the door of it. It normalizes some of the things I already knew to be true about myself. Like, yes. Oh, yeah, I totally do that. It's not just me being weird. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it also kind of gives you that insight. It's okay to trust an intuition mm -hmm. instead of letting your head rule the show. Because I would have never, and, until I'd seen that and then been through coach training, never really leaned into the fact that I'm actually highly intuitive. And it, Oh my God, yeah. It helps me immensely. <laughs> Even in this conversation, I sent you questions. But almost all this has been like, oh, well, let's just go with all this other stuff. So, <laughs> like I, my head's probably like, you have a script. But my gut's like, oh no, this is way more interesting. What have you found to be true about human design that maybe would surprise people? It's really like, it gives you permission to breathe. <laughs> and it's it's so on point it's so reminding us of our preferences and our character traits and our true nature how we really are mm -hmm. and i experienced that with a few clients now that i have been doing readings for they were just completely speechless <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like, i had one client that well, actually, he's a friend of mine, and I asked him while I was in my studies if he would be like my guinea pig, and if I could just like do his human design reading. And he said, like, yeah, why not? And he's a really successful businessman. He has his own business, and he's quite, you know, he has a lot of clients, and he's super happy with his job and everything. And I gave him his reading, and he was just so speechless. And he told me, like, I know so many people. He's such an extroverted person. Mm -hmm. And I just gave him so many informations that he has the feeling I'm the only person who really gets him. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no other person on this planet who, know, who, who really gets how he takes. And yeah. now that he knows that he's that kind of type and he's that kind of profile, he is much more gentle with himself because mm -hmm. so many times we are being so hard on ourselves because we don't give ourselves permission to be a certain way yeah. or to, to act to act like our true nature truly is. I just experienced that with so many people now that they really told me that they can be themselves and they don't settle for anything less anymore. And that yeah. is so powerful. If you know who you are and you really know what makes you happy, you don't settle for any other things or any other people that make you feel worthless or um, unhappy. I, I'm feeling like there's such a full circle moment happening in, in this too, in that 
some of these tools and, and human design seems to provide data on for you. Knowing when you've had some a reading like that or you've done Myers-Briggs or you're a Neogram or whatever, it allows you to be comfortable in your own person. I was going to say in your own mm-hmm. skin, but like it's really because it's more even of like a soul attachment of yeah. this is who, no, this is who I am at a really deep level. And it means that, yeah, I can be on social media and I can be myself there. And I feel it maybe gives me the permission to shut out some of the other noise. These right. are no longer necessarily messages coming at me from other people in their feeds, but it's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. how they're presenting themselves in the world. And maybe I have also unfollowed a ton of the ones that made me feel icky in any way. Like, oh, I wish I could be like that. Like, no, I just, I can distance myself from these people that maybe don't make me feel good inside. I had never seen or heard of human design, but I've got to say, I think there's something super interesting going on there. (laughs) You got me beyond curious. (laughs) Is it worth doing a free reading? I know, I know you offer it, so I don't want to dishonor that, but like, Mm -hmm. can you learn anything from a, a, like an online reading or is it really something that you be best served to have someone help you with? Cause it seems kind of complex. It is very complex. And um, there are tons of free readings out there. And um, I think if you're just starting out to get to know yourself and if you're just starting out your journey of wanting to be happy and more joyful and more, feeling more fulfilled I think that this is going to help you a lot already. But if you really want to dive in even more in your energy centers or in your authority or whatever, then having a reading is going to make you feel even more valued and more seen and more giving yourself permission to just settle into your true nature and owning your truth. Yeah. Well, probably like anything when you first look at it, you could do a cursory kind of check-in with it, but then really instead of trying to figure it all out yourself, it's one of those things where it's helpful to have somebody like you who knows Mm -hmm. it and can guide you through it because Mm -hmm. yeah, so fascinating. Has it shown you things that seemed like you wouldn't have believed it when you started? Well, I started when I was already full into my life coaching thing and (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I was diving deep already so yeah. much and I thought you know I I know myself already so well like I might just as well do this human design thing too I started this human design and it just has shown me things that even gave me much more permission to just mm-hmm. be myself and to really have a, a reminder that it's just who I am. I don't need to be so hard on myself because it's not going to change anything. Like, right. For example, I know that in, um, in human design, there are these um, profiles that are, are a sort of a description of our being and what our contribution is in, in this world. And I have the one slash three profile. And that means that I am someone who loves to learn And I am someone who needs to experience things. Mm. It's not enough for me to just read about something. I need to have the experience. So, for example, that was such a confirmation for me why I've been doing all these trainings and why I've been doing all these 
these oh, yeah. courses and, and, and studying so many things because yes, of course I could just read a book about, I don't know, happiness, or I could just, um, visit a workshop about whatever kind of topic, but it's not enough for me. I need to, I always have this need to dive deep into everything and I learn best through trial and error. That has been the biggest aha moment for me. <laughs> I think that a lot of multi-passionate people probably have this profile because right. that's how we learn best. Like we need to have this feeling of experience and exploration in order to feel happy. I like that. Yeah, because it does normalize the desire then to keep learning the the new thing. Because I think that is a question that comes up for multi-passionates, which is why do I just keep trying things? Because <laughs> because the world will tell you like you should have this linear path. And I don't agree yes. with that anymore at all. But then it then starts to, right? Like, <laughs> and then it starts to call into question of, well, why do I keep trying on all these different things? But then they never air quotes around lead anywhere. And right. like, that's been one of the biggest ahas and kind of similar to what you're saying is that, well, I'm trying on things because I'm very quickly learning the thing and then I'm assimilating mm -hmm. it into other things that I do and exactly. letting go of that anticipation that just because I start out on who knows what path, like early on as a little kid, I played the flute. Well, I'm not going to become a master musician, <laughs> but I got to believe I learned how to do things and recognize sound patterns or something that probably helps mm -hmm. even as a podcaster. If you're going to become a doctor, yes, there's a linear path and you're going to do that and that's it. But For so many other people and life directions, like that's just not how we're going to process it. Mm -hmm. Letting go of that thing that this one thing I'm studying has to lead directly to the path is, oh, yeah, it's painful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's better to let go of that. <laughs> true. So true. And um, what was also very interesting with that profile is that It tells you that it's absolutely okay to like experience all these trial and errors because through these trial and errors, you're in the position to, to change the world around you because you can tell people what's working and what not because mm -hmm. you've been through these, all these trials and errors already before. That's really cool. And it is really cool to know about yourself. So if somebody is really lit up about human design or want to learn more about um, working with you as a happiness coach, where can they find you? So um, right now I am working on, of course, the human design readings. Mm -hmm. And I also have a package that is called Catch Your Creativity, mm -hmm. where I It's an eight-week program where I work with my clients on catching their creative dream. You can find everything on my homepage, which is www.personaldreamcatcher.rocks. And um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook under personal.dreamcatcher. Very cool. Thank you. And that'll be Thank in you. the show notes, of course. Um, <laughs> And last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? I think the, the very first thing I would say is to smile. Hmm. I think that's, that's really the most important thing even, I would say, because 
even if we don't feel like smiling, if we smile, it's going to send signals to our mind because our mind will not know the difference whether we mean it or not. Yeah. And it's going to send out these happiness hormones that we will need. And we need it for us and we need it for the people around us because I am very convinced that just a smile can change someone's life. I think that is wonderful. And thank you so much for being on, Annabelle. It's been great getting to know you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to find out more about this episode, including links to the things that we've talked about, you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can search for this episode right up there in the right-hand corner of the website. and You'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is Three Joyful Things. It's where I take a look and give you guys the behind the scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including the inspiration, intention, and action, along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram where my handle is jumpstartyourjoy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at jumpstartyourjoy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy. Joy.